Hello, fellow dog-powered sports enthusiasts. This is Chelsea Murray, and you are listening to Positively Dog-Powered, a podcast that dives deep into the real world of positive reinforcement training and dog-powered sports. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Positively Dog-Powered. Last episode, we talked about some training that you can do with your dog to sharpen up some cues and keep that brain nice and stimulated. Remember that having a well-behaved dog at home means that all of their needs are met and making sure that you and your dog can jump back into your mushing routine come fall and winter really does depend on how you spend your summer because we could spend our summer working on improving their manners out in public, improving their ability to pass distractions and keeping them fit, Or we could spend our summer being lazy, which means that we can't dive in like we want when the weather starts cooling off. Today, we're going to talk about part two of that, which is the fitness portion, keeping the dogs physically fit in order to have a good successful start of our mushing season. A balanced fitness program is really important. It helps our dogs stay fit and learn things like body awareness, allowing our running partners to improve how competitive they are and help our older dogs maintain mobility. There are five components to a good fitness program, aerobic exercises, anaerobic exercises, strength training, flexibility, and balance and coordination. Aerobic means with oxygen. These exercises provide cardiovascular conditioning and improve lung function. They're things like longer walks, jogs, and endurance runs. Our anaerobic exercises are activities that break down glucose for energy without using oxygen. Generally, these activities are short in length and high intensity. They increase the strength and density of bones. Think of fetch and frisbee or fast cat. These are our short bursts. While aerobic exercises provide energy using a continuous supply of oxygen to sustain the current level of activity without needing additional energy from a different source, anaerobic exercises prompt your body to demand more energy than your aerobic system can produce. And having a balance between the two is essential for our dog-powered sports. Strength training, or strengthening the front and rear limbs, creates more balanced movement. Flexibility is also another important component of our program. Tight muscles are not only frustrating, but they can be painful, and it can limit movement. Muscles can tighten up from long periods of inactivity, muscle cramps during exercise, and they can even tighten up after exercise, which is felt as soreness. As dogs age, joint degeneration, muscle atrophy or loss, loss of flexibility, and subsequent pain are common. So keeping our dogs flexible is essential, but doing it the right way is even more essential so we don't cause more harm than good. You can connect with a massage therapist, a CCRT, or a CCRP to get some home programs that you can do. I also really like the book, The Healthy Way to Stretch Your Dog, A Physical Therapy Approach by Sasha Foster and Ashley Foster. And finally, balance and coordination. Balance can work on strengthening the core stabilizers, providing a strong anchor for repetitive limb movement that is often seen in our dog-powered sports. Thinking about all of those components can be a little overwhelming, especially if you have no idea where to start. And the thing about conditioning programs is that each program is unique because each dog is unique. They'll be in a different level of fitness, different ages, different breeds, and you might be enjoying dog-powered sports in different ways. So these different activities all place varied levels and types of stress on the body. 
And it's really important for our dogs that we have a program that meets the demands of all those specific activities, like dog-powered sports. And it really should include exercises from all of the conditioning components that meet the physical requirements. When melded together, the diverse combinations of exercises can produce a more successful fitness plan, which translates into a better performance from your dog and a longer lifespan in the sport. If you need more help putting together a fitness program, you can talk to your rehab veterinarian or your veterinarian for a referral to a rehab professional. CCRTs, CCRPs, and canine massage therapists can all help you and your dog get back on track this summer. And even if your dog doesn't have any pre-existing conditions and is in great shape, it's always nice to have a good baseline of where your dog is, and you'll be surprised at all the little things they might be able to find to help you get back on track. Now we're gonna dive into some of those exercises that you can do specifically that fit into those five components that we just talked about. Having the right equipment on our dogs for all of our fitness adventures that you guys hopefully will be doing after this episode is important for dogs' health and their well-being. As a professional trainer, I too often see dogs and equipment that's dangerous or poorly fit. I went through so many harnesses and could not find one that fit all of our needs, finding what seemed like the unicorn harness to properly fit my deep-chested Alaskan Malamutes, Lucy and Lennon, and hold up to the abuse of all of our off-road wild adventures proved to be more challenging than I thought it should have been. But that's until I found CTC Dog Gear's shoulder harness, which immediately became my go-to for personal and professional recommendations for my dog training clients. The Y-shaped front design on this harness is perfect for safe neighborhood walks and is designed for all of your dog-powered sports needs. From neighborhood walks to canny hiking, canicross, bike joring, ski joring, and more, the harness provides comfort and safety for our dogs. It has thick supportive padding that doesn't wear down. We go from sunrise canny hiking to an afternoon of swimming and paddle boarding. After over a year of daily use and muddy and unpredictable off-the-grid adventures, they still look brand new. And one of the cool parts is they have a variety of webbing colors and sizes, so you can get your own team fit with color-coordinated gear. Yay! They even make custom sizes, perfect for people like me with big dogs, or even our non-traditional dog-powered sports enthusiasts, like my dog Lennon's good friend, Norby, who's a toy fox terrier. So head over to CTC Dog Gear and check out these awesome shoulder harnesses, which are just one of the many great products they have. And since the company's owners and gear designers, Andre and Natalie, have 56 years of mushing experience, you'll leave checkout with quality dog adventure gear. For our listeners, you can use the code PDP10 at checkout and you'll get 10% off your order of $70 or more. So now that you have your equipment, you need to get out with your geared up dog for some fitness. But what do we do? The first activity that we're gonna talk about for your summer is free running. Free running is great because it still allows the dog to open up their stride and get in some good exercise, but they don't have quite as much work as they do when they're in harness. So generally the body can handle it and stay a little bit cooler. Free running helps with endurance building and cardiovascular health. And it releases dopamine, AKA the happy endorphin, and can help reduce destructive behavior at the house because it's allowing your dog an appropriate outlet for that energy that they're used to expelling in harness. Early mornings and locations near water can really help you stay out for longer periods of time without the risk of your dog overheating. 
Now it is important to note that not all dogs are suitable for free running. So that's a decision that you're really gonna have to make on your own. The good news is that even if your dog isn't, there are plenty of other ways that we can keep them in shape. Dogs that are reactive or aggressive towards other people or dogs probably are not gonna be great for off-leash running. We do wanna make sure that we're abiding by any local regulations and restrictions, so make sure that you look up safe and legal places where dogs are not required to be on leash. If your dog does have the temperament to be off-leash, you'll wanna make sure that you spend plenty of time building off-leash foundations. Off-leash foundations include attention or eye contact, both voluntary and cued, and recall with distractions and distance, as well as the ability to grab or hold a collar and reclip a leash. When your dog is off leash, they're likely gonna be far away from you and there are plenty of other things that are out in the world that are way more exciting than us. So it's really important that we put in the time and effort needed to build all of these behaviors. If you head over to our YouTube playlist at positivefutures.com and that's positive spelled like a dog paw, you'll find some tutorials that will help you with some of these off-leash foundations. I like to play the name game, so when I cue the dog's name, they give me direct eye contact. And I start this behavior in the house, and then slowly start adding in distractions, like the front yard, the backyard, and then taking it on the road to parks where there's other dogs, animals, and people. I want to get to the point that no matter what is around my dog, I can say his name and he'll turn around and give me eye contact. In addition to being able to ask for eye contact, we really want to teach our dogs that attention to us is a good thing without a cue. So whenever you're working with your dog on leash manners or going for a hike and your dog chooses to check in and give you attention, I always capture that behavior with either a click or a yes and then deliver a treat. This way the dog is learning that when they choose to give me attention, it's gonna be rewarded. Attention is really important because without attention, my dog is not listening to me. I can't ask them for a recall if they're not giving me that focus. It's that ultimate foundation behavior that we need in order to get anything else from them. After I've got that attention built, I start working on a reliable recall. Now, Be careful when building your recall. Lots of people will build it to a come to my general vicinity kind of a cue, but that can be really dangerous because what happens the moment you bend down to clip a leash on your dog or hold them for safety? Lots of dogs learn that a hand reaching towards them is not a good thing, and then they'll dart and run off avoiding us. Instead, I want my recall to be really specific and I wanna be able to touch them. So I either teach a collar touch where they come to me and I touch a collar before they get their treat, or I teach a hand target where they take their nose and come and tap my hand. This way I'm getting the dog all the way back to me for safety. And again, just like with attention, we start this behavior inside and then slowly transition it to outside. And the biggest piece that you're gonna run into is distractions. So you can start adding this cue in on leash walks and anytime you see a distraction like a critter or another person or a dog, or even just a noise. Your dog perks up and sees it or hears it, practice calling their name and then giving them that recall. And then they get a cookie. And this way they start to understand that disengaging from those distractions is a good thing. As I transition dogs from training to having a little bit more freedom, I really like to attach a long line. And this is a normal leash, but it's 10 to 50 feet in length. Biothane is a really nice material for these. They dry quickly 
and they're easy to clean. And you can choose your desired length based on how much training you've done with your dog. You can either hold the line in your hand or you can let it drag behind the dog as you start transitioning them from staying really close, coming back and getting paid, versus them having a little bit more freedom. If you need some help on this, we also have some long line tutorials on our Positive Futures YouTube channel, and I'll include a link for that in the show notes. Now, like I mentioned earlier, not all dogs are suitable for free running, especially in the wilderness, especially off leash. But the good news is your dog can still get in some good free running time in fenced areas. If you've got a fenced backyard, you can encourage play and running in the back. You can also go to dog parks. While I'm not a big fan of dog parks, there are some spaces that you can rent. So this way you're the only one there. Or if you go during those off times and no one else is there, stay close to the gates. You can walk out if you need to, but then that way your dog still gets some nice, good running time. There's even an app that allows you to rent sniff spots. And this is great because this way you can rent a space for you and your dog to run around in and you won't have to worry about any other people, distractions, or dogs. Another thing that's fantastic during the summer, especially to kind of fend off some of that extra heat that we get bombarded with, is water. Water can bring a lot of fun and it can bring some dangers. Swimming is a great fitness activity for dogs. It strengthens the heart and lungs, decreases inflammation, increases metabolism, and improves circulation. The resistance against the water moves every major muscle group, and that improves overall tone and strength. Swimming is also really low impact and non-weight bearing, which means that the health benefits without the extra stress on the body can be achieved. And it's safe for dogs of all ages, so our puppies that we're still monitoring their exercise because their growth plates are open, all the way up to our seniors who might be experiencing a little more arthritis. One thing you can do is play in the shallows or along the shoreline. And this is really great, especially if you've got a dog that might be a little scared of the water or nervous about swimming. You can play along the shoreline and use food or treats to reinforce your dog for any interaction with the water. So with a regular or a long line on the dog, I'll walk along the shoreline and anytime they look at the water, move towards it, or even if a wave comes up and gets a toe wet, I'll actually click or say yes and give my dog a treat for this. And over time, as they get more and more comfortable, you'll start to be able to get more and more interaction with the water. Even just walking along the shoreline, that resistance will give an extra workout compared to just a normal walk. And of course, the water will help keep them cool. Plus, you're helping your dog tackle a fear, and that's not only going to improve your relationship with your dog, but it's also going to improve their overall confidence, which all of that translates into better performance in their harness. As your dog gets more and more comfortable with walking along the shallows, you can ask for just a little bit more. I'll put some water-safe shoes on or take my shoes off and get in the water with them so that they're following me and can earn some reinforcement. If your dogs like toys or play, bringing some toys along is great. You can play fetch along that shoreline or toss the toy out into the shallows or even the deep end and have them swim to get the toy and bring it back. You can even do water sports like canoeing, kayaking, and stand-up paddleboarding. There are so many benefits to doing sports like this with our dogs. It provides them with a lot of mental stimulation, which is really going to tire them out. Plus, lots of opportunities to build your relationship and their skill set. 
They're going to have to maintain balance on the board or boat, which actually does provide quite a good core workout. And the water play and swimming will give them nice muscle tone. You can use treats to help them build a positive association with being on the board or boat. And I start this process in the backyard. I'll place the paddle board or the boat in the grass so that it's not going to get scratched up or even place it on some pillows or a comforter inside the house. And I work on things like sit stays and down stays on the board. As the dog gets more comfortable, I slowly add a little bit of motion in that. And even though boating, canoeing, kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding are really different than our mushing sports, you're teaching your dog a lot of skills, teaching them how to trust you, and improving their ability to adapt to new environments. And all of that will benefit you come fall or winter when you're back in harness with them. Another way to get in the water is to do some pool rentals. So dock diving is a very popular dog sport where the dogs jump off a dock, retrieve a toy, and bring it back. But the cool thing is that a lot of facilities will allow you to rent these pools just for fun. They've got a ramp so you can get your dog into the water without them having to jump. And this way, again, you've got a nice controlled and safe environment to stay cool while you and your dog build manners, build your relationship, and of course, build your fitness. Now, there are some safety concerns to be aware of as we start increasing how much activity we're doing in and near waters. Because unfortunately, not all waters are safe and our dogs can certainly hurt themselves if they overdo it. One thing that you've probably seen on the news quite a bit is cyanobacteria or blue-green algae. Blue-green algae is a bacteria that can produce toxins such as microcystins and anatoxins. These affect dogs and people. And so if your dog swims or drinks or cleans themselves from algae-contaminated water, it can be life-threatening. So how do you avoid it? You want to avoid water that is slow-moving or stagnant. You normally cannot see cyanobacteria, but you might see some algal blooms that clump. You might also see that the water is foamy or filmy, or it might be discolored. Avoid any water that looks like that, and instead, keep your dog leashed around those bodies of water. You also don't want to let your dog drink out of any of the ponds or lakes. Instead, you want to keep your dog in larger, faster-moving bodies of water and bodies of water that look clean. If it has any sort of smell to it or appears filmy or foamy, you want to avoid it. If you think your dog might have come into contact with harmful algae blooms, you'll want to rinse your dog off immediately with clean water and call your veterinary team. Drooling, neurologic signs like weakness or confusion, and vomiting also render an emergency veterinary visit. You can visit the epa.gov website for information for state resources for harmful algal blooms or HABs. I'll be sure to drop a link to that in the show notes for you. Another thing that can happen when we take our dogs swimming is if they overdo it a little bit and get something called swimmer's tail or acute caudal myopathy. Basically, the tail is overworked and it gets injured, so you'll see swelling at the base of the tail. The dog won't want to use the tail, won't wag it. You might notice that they have trouble sitting or it appears limp. If you notice any discomfort, pacing, whining, swelling, you can call your veterinary team for some medical assistance. If it's your first time out swimming with your dog, be sure to take it easy. Interrupt play, because most dogs that really love something can overdo it. 
Life jackets can help reduce the overall impact of swimming as well to make it a little easier on the body. And again, be sure to interrupt that play with breaks. Generally, swimmer's tail is not too serious and just requires some rest. Another big concern with summer in general is heat exhaustion and heat stroke. Unlike humans who sweat, dogs actually eliminate heat from their bodies by panting. And when panting isn't enough, the body temperature rises and they can experience heat stroke, which can become fatal if it's not treated immediately. Some dogs are more prone to heat stroke than others. Dogs that have thick or double-coated fur, short noses or are brachycephalic dogs, or those that are suffering from medical conditions are predisposed to heat stroke. But we certainly want to take precautions with all dogs as the heat and humidity increase over the summer. Because even dogs who enjoy constant exercise and playtime should still be monitored for symptoms. The most telling symptom of heat stroke in dogs is excessive panting or inability to catch their breath. You might also see drooling, reddened gums, maybe even vomiting, or stumbling, uncoordinated movement. These are all very serious, and you definitely want to contact your veterinary team ASAP. You want to remove your dog from the hot environment immediately and do what you can to get them cooled off. Offer them fresh, cool water to drink, and you could even cool them off with a hose or a wet towel that's in cold water. Again, with any heat stroke, prevention is the easiest thing. Be sure to offer your dog lots of fresh drinking water, and lots of breaks in the shade. And if it's gonna be extra hot, you might even bring something along like a battery-packed Ryobi fan to help provide a little bit more breeze. And do interrupt that play because even if the dog wants to keep going, sometimes it's not in their best interest and it's our job to keep an eye on them. Another great summer activity is fetch. But I'm gonna challenge you to change your fetch game just a little and not do it the traditional way. Fetch is actually great. It's a short burst of energy to work on their anaerobic fitness component, but it's better to do it more infrequently because repetitive motion of jumping off a start line to get the ball and sliding to a stop to pick up the ball or frisbee can be pretty hard on the body. And we definitely want to make sure that we do a warm up before we play any kind of fetch. If you think about it, the dog is standing next to you and then they burst to go get that object. That's a pretty explosive movement, and it's hard for them. So you might want to warm up with a short walk just to get the blood flowing, and then some easy tricks to get those muscle groups moving. Something like teaching back up, working on spins and sits, or even active cookie stretches will help warm the dog's body up, which decreases likelihood of injury. I also prefer to do either rollers with frisbees or dead ball, with the ball, where the dog's in a sit-stay or you're even holding a collar or a harness. You throw the ball or the frisbee, and when it becomes stationary or dead, you allow the dog a release cue like free or get it, and they can run up to the toy and grab it. This helps reduce some of the explosive movement from the start, and it definitely reduces how fast they slide to a stop to grab that ball. It's also going to reduce any erratic jumping that they do to try to get the toy, which can cause injury. Also, if it's rained, try to avoid these activities because wet ground decreases how much traction and control your dog has and increases the likelihood of injury. 
Playing fetch like this, where the, we let the ball get dead before the dog is released to go get it, is also a really excellent training exercise. So you can work on improving your dog's ability to control themselves around exciting times, which will definitely translate to things like passing distractions and ignoring other critters while on the trail. If the humidity is lower and temperatures are lower, do be sure to take advantage of cool mornings because you could still hook your dog up and go for a short training run. But in the summer, we tend to keep distances lower. Dogs work a lot harder in their harness, pulling us on foot and on bike, than they do just free running. So that body is going to heat up a lot quicker. So keeping runs really short and allowing for lots of fresh water to drink and swim will help keep that temp internally cooler. Another really excellent summer activity is canny hiking. Canny hiking is a great summer safe dog powered sport. According to the president of the American Hiking Society, Dr. Gregory A. Miller, says that research actually shows that hiking has a positive impact on combating the symptoms of stress and anxiety. And I totally feel that because when I am out in nature, there is nothing quite as relaxing and peaceful. It's generally lower impact, which also helps if your dog is a little bit older or younger and we're trying to reduce that physical impact on them. Hiking is a great way to strengthen your core and your balance, as well as your dogs. Hiking requires uphill movement on uneven surfaces, which improves proprioception or body awareness. And because it's generally an extended activity, You'll have periods of time where you go uphill on strong muscles and have to do the descent on muscles that are fatigued. This is a time when you're more likely to injure yourself, but it's also a really great training activity because both you and your dog will need to be running or bike joring at some point on tired muscles, and having the ability to practice that will help improve your performance. When canny hiking, for fitness, you definitely want to aim for hill work. Even a small hill will intensify the heart rate and burn extra calories. 5 to 10% equals about a 30 to 40% increase in calorie burn. But when canny hiking, we definitely want to make sure that we're spending time conditioning and preparing them for these activities. And that could go into your at-home routine working on balance exercises, and front and rear limb strengthening exercises, as well as endurance training to build the heart and lungs to prepare them for this sustained activity. While hiking, you can also weigh yourself and your dog down. You can have a day pack with a little extra weight. Obviously, you're gonna need some water and snacks while you're out there, so you might as well put them in a pack to make carrying easier, but also to increase how much work you're doing. A 10 to 15 pound day pack also boosts calorie burn, just like those inclines, by about 10 to 15%, and it strengthens lower back muscles. For the dog, this is definitely a good time for increased bonding, and for you, it's a great time to start practicing and reinforcing your cues on the trail, like whoa, easy, and on by. And because you're just walking instead of running canacross or biking, it gives you the opportunity to give food reinforcement for the behavior. So you can say yes or click and toss the treat out in front of your dog for the correct cue response. A few things before you go out hiking. Generally, these are done in rural areas. So you want to make sure that you're planning ahead of time 
download that trail map to your phone because you don't want to necessarily rely on you having GPS while you're out there. This way, even if you don't have cell service, you know where you are and where you're going. Be sure to pack lots of fresh water to stay cool and a bowl for your dog. I also like to pack some snacks for myself and for the dog, just in case we need to do a little training for them or if our trail is a little bit longer and we need to stop and take a break. It's always a great idea to bring a friend along when you're venturing into the wilderness, but if you're heading out solo, just be sure to tell someone where you're going for safe practice. Now our canny hiking and our dog mushing will be benefited quite a bit by doing some indoor fitness. And you can really target balance, strengthening, and flexibility. This can be done at home with little to no equipment, but the key is that there's no cookie cutter option for this and every dog is really different. It's always a good idea, like I mentioned earlier, to seek out help from a professional. A CCRP or Certified Canine Rehabilitation Practitioner, or a CCRT, Certified Canine Rehabilitation Trainer, or a rehab veterinarian can help give you a plan for your dog. Every dog is gonna have different ailments, underlying conditions, and different weaknesses. And so in order to truly build strength, body awareness, flexibility, and range of motion for your specific dog, having a specific plan built for you is nice. This targeting training can have a huge impact on the overall well-being and likelihood of injury for your dog. There's a lot of safe activities that you can do at home with your dogs in this category, so we're going to go over just a few. One that you can do is sit-to-stand repetitions. This is often referred to as puppy push-ups, and your dog doesn't even have to know how to sit or stand on cue. You can take a treat to their nose, lure the head up so that the body weight shifts back and the dog goes into a sit. And then same thing, take that cookie to their nose and then lure them into a standing position. You wanna make sure during these sit-to-stands that you're luring the dog forward and they're walking into a stand versus what we call a kickback stand, where the dog kicks their back legs further behind them. The reason being is because we wanna work those quads. For our dog-powered sports, we want those quad muscles nice and strong. And a dog having to push themselves out of the sit into the stand with those legs is much more beneficial. We can also do down-to-stand repetitions. This is really helpful as well in building muscle in the core and legs. You can also do three-leg standing. So ask your dog to do a stand stay in front of you and you're gonna raise one paw off the ground for just a few seconds, give them a treat and let that foot go back down. If your dog knows shake, it's a great use of that cue, but you'll wanna make sure that you do the whole body. So spend a few moments and go around the whole body, picking one foot up at a time for a couple seconds. This will do great wonders on their balance training. You can also do cavalettis where you ask the dog to walk over something on the ground. Uh, you can use PVC pipes for this. You can use jump ropes for our little dogs. You can even use pool noodles. And this works on proprioception or the dog knowing where their feet are. And if you have a ladder, you can lay that down on the ground and use treats to lure the dog through the ladder. Again, this is great for proprioception. The dog learns where all their feet are in space. And it's safe for all ages because it's low impact. So puppies can work on this for socialization and body awareness, and our senior dogs can work on this as well. 
You can also do cookie stretches. These are really helpful as part of a warm up and cool down routine and can be done on their own to help your dog build muscle and flexibility. You can take a treat to their nose and then slowly lure their nose from forward or home base to different points on the body. And it's important to remember that whatever you do to one side, you need to do to the other. So I take a cookie and imagine an invisible line from home base where the dog is standing in neutral position from their nose to different points. And those points are their shoulder, their front foot, the middle of their rib cage or the middle of their back, their hip, and their knee. And this way you can go from home base to that targeted point and back to home base and pay. The goal is for this exercise to be pretty smooth. We, we don't want any quick movement from them and we want the dog to pretty much stay in motion, right? So it's home base to front foot to home base and you pay them. And this way it's a nice stretch for the dog, loosening up muscles in their neck and along their spine. You can also work their front legs on an elevated surface like a pause up activity that we talked about in last week's episode. And then you can take your cookie and lift it up. So the dog has to stretch up to reach that and it elongates their back muscles. You'll also want to work on balance on unstable surfaces. So with pause up or with all four feet on, you can work on their ability to stand still balancing while that object underneath them moves. You can use things like a couch cushion, blow up mattresses, and elevated pet cots or cooler beds. And if you want to get equipment, this is a nice place where you can get a really large balance disc for the ground to help improve your dog's ability to balance and work on those stabilizing muscles. There's also a lot of tricks that not only are they fun, cute party tricks, but they also work on muscles, balance, and flexibility. Teaching your dog to sit or stand and wave with both feet. You can teach paw and other paw or shake. You can teach spin in both directions, and you can teach your dog to do a play bow. Whenever you're starting to work on an at-home fitness routine, it's always really important to be realistic because consistency is really important in really gaining any of the benefits from doing these activities. So keep it short and do something like 10 minutes a day. You can do this a couple times a week, maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for part of their breakfast. So instead of feeding out of a bowl, you can take that portion and go over some of these activities with them. Once you can get 10 minutes a day for three days a week, then you can work on adding another day in there. You might even find that you don't work all of these exercises each day. Instead, have routine A and routine B so that you can mix it up a little for both you and your dog. A few things to remember about all fitness plans for our dogs and some safety reminders. It's really important to avoid what we call the weekend warrior. So this might be where you're pretty inactive because you're busy with work during the week and then you head out on the weekends and do a ton. A big hike, a big swim, back to back. These periods of inactivity and then big activity bursts are actually more likely to result in an injury to your dog. Instead, we want activity pretty much throughout the week, of course, with our off days. It's always important before any exercise that you warm your dog up. So even that at-home indoor fitness routine we just talked about, you'll want to make sure that your dog has a warm-up, like a five-minute walk. You want to keep in mind 
what activity you're going to be doing. And then your goal is to do a warm up that's going to target all of those specific muscle groups and get the body moving a little bit. So if I'm going to be doing some swimming with the dog where they're retrieving an object, we're going to do at least a five minute walk where they can get the blood flowing. And then we'll do a few things like our sit to stand repetitions, our spins and our cookie stretches. And then we'll do the activity. I know that especially when you're driving somewhere to go do something fun, doing a warm up is not always at the top of our mind, but it can really go a long way in helping keep your dog injury free. If you're raising a puppy this summer, it's important to remember that we do want to keep structured exercises or forced exercises, aka your dog on a leash doing something with you, to five minutes per month old that they are. Our growth plates in puppies are not closed until the dog is completely done growing, which ranges anywhere from a year to a year and a half, depending on the breed. So during this time, we do want to make sure that we're reducing jumping and sliding, Things like stairs, jumping in and out of the car, jumping on and off the couch. It might not seem like a lot, but it is, and it can have a big impact on our puppy's growth plates and joints. For our seniors, we do want to make sure that we are keeping them in shape. Uh, Seniors are more likely to become inactive and more likely to experience things like muscle loss. And of course, as we age, those tissues do get less pliable and we lose balance more often. So those fitness programs are even more important for the seniors in order to keep them younger, longer. We wanna focus on that balance, strength, and flexibility. And you might even consider adding things in like canine massage or laser therapy to help reduce some of that inflammation and help keep those muscles pliable. You also wanna watch for signs of doing too much. More common in our seniors, but can certainly happen with any age dog. When you go out and do a big workup, when you go out and do a big workout or a big hike, it's totally normal for you to feel sore afterwards. But we want to make sure that our dog is not experiencing that stiffness or soreness into the following day. If they get up the next morning and they're groaning as they're trying to get on and off the ground, that's a good indicator that it was too much. We don't want those long-lasting effects on our dogs. So it might mean that we need to change our routine, or it might mean that we need to get a CCRP or a CCRT on board to help target those muscles that our dogs are using more often. With summertime temperatures and humidity increasing, I absolutely understand how it could be easier to just have the dogs inside with some air conditioning. But our ability to jump back into our dog-powered sport fitness program really relies on how we spend our summer. So we need to make sure that we're keeping the dogs fit with good muscle tone, strength, flexibility, body awareness, and of course that cardiovascular health. And there are so many ways that we can do it, but it usually means that we have to be a bit more creative or go out of our way a little bit to drive to further places to really get that exercise done safely. It also usually means earlier alarm clocks. And while some of this can be painful, it's really important that you make that extra effort to keep your dog safe and fit over the summertime. I hope that this helps you get a little bit creative and start thinking about some ways you can keep your dog in shape and healthy over the summer, and of course, safe despite the heat. If you've liked the content you've been hearing so far, please do feel free to hit subscribe. 
then you'd make sure that you don't miss out on any episodes. And if you want to help support the podcast, we have a few ways you can do that. If you've been enjoying it and are ready to leave us a five-star review, then please do and you'll be entered into a raffle where you might win some free Positively Dog-Powered podcast swag. If you can't wait for that contest to end, which will be later this fall, then you can head over to our merchandise store now. All proceeds do go to helping support the podcast hosting fees to make sure that we can keep giving you guys this content. And if in addition to the Positively Dog Powered merch, you'd like some behind the scenes content, free training tutorial videos, an ability to control upcoming episode topics and potentially interview guests, then you might be interested in our Patreon account. I'll list a link in the show notes below. So until next time, have fun chasing tails on the trails.